0: Hey folks, Zach Ostrom here, I Insider Indianapolis Star. It is, uh, my, this is Mind Your Banners for Wednesday, May 24th, uh, 2023. It's a warm and wonderful Wednesday in Bloomington. Tyler Tashman is with me. He is not in Bloomington. He is preparing uh, to fly to Europe and uh, Paris and parts unknown, but before he leaves the country, uh, we're going to knock out a podcast talking about uh, his conversation with McKenzie and and his family. You can read at any sports slash uh, sports, his story from that conversation. I don't think many people have talked to him or his family in depth since his commitment to Indiana. It is well worth your time. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about maybe starting to put a bow on roster construction for Indiana. Obviously only one roster spot left open. So a, a lot, has crystallized for the Hoosiers but Tyler let's let's start with that conversation with Mackenzie Baco and his family of course um, things have kind of quieted down after the frenzy around his commitment Indiana's announced his signing which means he's sort of officially you know rubber stamped and in the program uh, and in particular you talked to him and uh, I think his mother about the visit not just the the you know the the usual fare of you know how how a guy will fit a system or that but but what in an accelerated recruiting process made Indiana the choice um, for him over Kansas, over Louisville, over St. John's, um, and what it was that Indiana really did to land that uh, – I shouldn't say land the visit. I think people think what I mean is getting them on campus. I mean in terms of really knocking it out of the park, so to speak. One
1: thing, I mean, that that's – uh and talking to them was uh just the details of the visit and, and I don't think this is to say that like Indiana is the only school to do these types of things but um you know from their perspective it definitely stood out like there were there were just kind of little things that they appreciated like when when they got to the hotel and um for the visit uh there were like individual there were cards from individual IU staff members for both uh Mackenzie's mother and, and his father. Um, And, you know, kind of thank you notes. Thank you. We appreciate you for coming, all of that. Um, And then Mabako is of Nigerian descent. So IU gave him a a Nigerian flag, which he, he used during uh, the photo shoot. And I mean, there was other just kind of little things taking the time to talk to Scott, to Scott Dolson, um, him kind of giving his story and connection with IU. um, And then, you know, talking to Cliff Marshall Uh, And then kind of having that instant connection is what uh, McKenzie called it with, with Mike Woodson. Um, And then I think we've kind of come to see with, with Woodson is his, his ability to kind of relate to people. And, you know, obviously for, um, for a guy that coached the New York Knicks, um, he, he kind of has a, a casual aura to him, I would say. And so like he was telling the story about how he met Tiger Woods. Um, so I think, you know, it was, it was, it was some of those small details of the visit that really stood out to them and um, connecting. And I think that, you know, it's one of the things uh, about just the visit in general is it's not a secret that Indiana missed out on some, 2023 guys and 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 there was kind of a question of can they recruit at a high level on a consistent basis can they get guys out of the portal and um i think that this really shows the level of detail that the staff puts in like his his mom was saying that uh they basically the staff analyzed his game to the point where it seemed like they had been around him for years so the, the time that the staff's putting in, I think, you know, you're going to miss on some guys that you want. That's just, it's going to happen. You're not going to be able to get everyone. Uh, but the detail that the staff does put in, the depth they go in uh, to try to get, you know, t- to put, every, put, put IU in the best position possible, uh, that really kind of stood out to me of just like learning kind of what all it took when he was on campus and uh, just all the details that kind of go into a visit like that.
0: I think it's interesting in in a couple, there's a couple of things that I think really sort of interest me here. One is the NBA side of it. And and let's, let's kind of start by getting into that is, you know, you hear recruits and and Mbaka was the most recent one talking about, you know, like Carmelo Anthony called him. I know you uh, spent some time in the Knicks locker room um, when the Knicks were in town to play the Pacers back in the spring. And and there was a palpable sort of, you know, I, I guess you'd say attachment and respect from Knicks players to Mike Woodson, who of course was an assistant with the Knicks immediately before he was hired in Indiana. Um, And, you know, when, and, and listen, this is not, please understand this is not me picking a side. This is not me saying tough day for the haters, but like when, when Mike Woodson was hired, the, the big criticisms basically were his age and the, the perception that, even though he had no experience in college, this was just Indiana sort of reaching back to its its roots. This was just Indiana trying to get a former player in. And, you know, listen, you can have whatever opinion you want on that, but the counter to that was it was Indiana trying in a more sort of concerted way to embrace the idea that you need to be, you know, you need to, be able to show guys a path to the NBA through your program more than arguably ever before, and when you look at, for example, um, you know Indiana's representation in the NBA draft in the last ten to fifteen years. I mean, we you know go back to, to two thousand eight with DJ White and Eric Gordon. Um, since two thousand eight, Indiana's only had eight players drafted off its rosters into the NBA. That's Romeo Langford, OG Thomas Bryant, Noah Vonley, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, Eric Gordon, DJ White. That is dwarfed by the likes of North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, these programs that Indiana wants to consider itself peers with. And the idea that, you know, sort of Mike Woodson's time in the NBA, his connections in the NBA, his ability to, you know, sort of, call on uh, you know players he's worked with and things to to, to have. And I think Mbaco may know come on, Carmelo Anthony a little bit already. I think there may already be some connections there. I'm not sure. But um, the point is it's it's hard two years in, and it's only two years, to kind of look at this and say that what Indiana was trying to do by bringing in a coach who might sort of nba five for lack of a more artful term, the program a little bit, it's hard to argue it, it. It's it's not working at this point. When you see where Indiana is probably going to wind up with two guys drafted in the current draft, and now getting guys who are five stars, who are McDonald's All-Americans, who are you know coveted players, maybe even out of the transfer portal in Khalil Ware's case going into year three for Mike Woodson.
1: And I think that's where you also look at too what Jalen Huchafino, uh the impact that he had. Of of course, he, he was Big Ten Freshman of the Year uh came in and especially with Xavier Johnson getting hurt uh just the impact that he had um but coming in a coming from a guy that you know maybe wasn't at the place he was now in terms of the mock drafts but has a chance to be a first round pick maybe even a potential lottery pick um but Mike Woodson's ability to kind of mold those players and and I know like Mike Woodson talks a lot about he's he wants to push guys but at the end of the day he he wants them to know that he's in their corner and he's doing he's pushing them because he wants them to be the best they can be. And I think that's important because if you just have a coach that is pushing, pushing, pushing and there's no relationship behind it, then I I don't think that that's necessarily a recipe for success. But um the the way that Mike Woodson kind of goes about it, I think um you know, is maybe why it resonates so well with the guys that he coaches. And I guess on top of that is, is can Indiana, now that they're getting the top talent, they've, they've gotten some of those guys is can they continue, can Mike Woodson continue to get them to the next level? He is going to do that when, uh, you know, Tracy Jackson Davis and Jalen Chafino get there, but, um, can can he do that with Khalil where can he do that uh with Mbako? can he do that with um you know maybe even a guy like Malik Renu who you know was a highly touted guy out of high school but struggled a little bit as a freshman still has a lot of potential um I think and then not only that but can you also turn that to more team success because I think at the end of the day is the fan base, as much as you need probably that high-end talent that, okay, can you put that together with some veteran guys and, and turn that into a final four run or to hang another banner in assembly hall? So I think step one is getting the talent, but now it's getting the talent and molding it the way you want and using it the right way so you can have team success out of it.
0: I also find it fascinating, you know, In in, within just a few days, and I don't think these are necessarily connected, but you, within just a few days of, of seeing Indiana, maybe convince a prospect, you know, I think a lot of people just sort of assumed there was so little sort of, you know, word leaking out around Mbaco's camp. A lot of people just assumed, well, it's Kansas, you know, Kansas, Kansas has the track record. Kansas is maybe the preseason number one team in the country. Kansas is, you know, probably year on year the most consistent program in the country right now. Um, You know, to to beat out a a player who, you know, more likely than not is going to be an NBA prospect relatively early in his college career, if not basically immediately, Um, Indiana goes out and hires, obviously, an alum in Calvert Chaney. And I know you wrote a little bit about, you know, kind of Mike Woodson making good on his promise to to reconnect a lot of the different eras of Indiana basketball through, through his program but also somebody who, again who has spent a lot of time in the NBA, 13-year NBA veteran Calbert Cheney, um started his coaching career with the Golden State Warriors. He's been uh he's worked in the G League, which I think is quietly meaningful. Like you know, it's 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 important to be able to talk to kids not just about the lottery, but like hey, even if you wind up here, or even if you're a second round pick whatever, we talk to you about what life is like in the G League and how to get ready for that. Um, he's obviously been with the Pacers the last couple of years. We know Mike Woodson's background. We know Randy Whitman has been around um, the, the NBA. Armand Hill has was in the NBA for a long time before coming with Woodson to college. The point is there is also kind of this, not that every single one of these guys is going to be crucial to every single big time recruitment Indian is part of, but it, it's again for a program that had really, really struggled to, to, to build you know, sort of a a reputation of you can go here and you can be an elite college prospect or I guess pro prospect in college very quickly. Like, I mean, Indiana's had three one and done players in the last 20 years. That's it. Like that is that is a remarkably low number um, for a program that wants to consider itself at a certain level. Even if you were to, um, even if you were to like, Compare Indiana to some of its. Oh, I've been joined by my uh, by my five year old Jacksons in the background. Um, even if you were again to compare Indiana to some of its peers in the Big Ten, like go look at a uh, a, a Michigan State, for example. I mean, Max Christie was a second round pick, but he was a he was a one and done player. Jaron Jackson was a one and done player. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a lot like you you can find more one and dones even at a, a place like Michigan State, much less Kansas, much less Duke, much less Kentucky. It's interesting to me that Indiana seems to be having success while it is filling its program with more and more guys that can more and more coaches and support personnel that can have very sort of experiential one to one conversations with players about I know what it takes to live in the NBA. I know what's required.
1: And going back to the the hiring of Calbert Cheney, uh what stood out to me from that was that it's kind of fit into a, a bigger picture of what Mike Woodson has done. And and that goes all the way back to when he was introduced as IU's head coach in March 2021, um, when he talked about he, he talked about bridging the gap between the old and the new. And um, you know, he I don't know how far you want to go back with this, but that it, it seemed like there was sort of a disconnect between the generations of IU basketball. And, and maybe that was, that was part of uh, Bob Knight being uh, fired and the kind of subsequent bad blood uh, there and, and, and that relationship in the, I guess the family kind of being cracked a little bit. Um, but Mike Woodson said when he was introduced that he wanted to bridge that gap and bring you know the younger generation and in the older generation and, and kind of bring them back together and uh getting Cheney back is kind of a, another part of that plan to do that where you look at you know Jordan Hall is coming back um Dane 5 came back and obviously that didn't work out you know he he was one an assistant for one season but wasn't ret- but he left Thomas though in Michigan State to come back. Um, and, and there's been other kind of like just Bob Knight coming, you know, Mike Woodson said, like him coming back to practices, um, you know, at, at Hoosier Hysteria in, in 2021, Isaiah Thomas spoke. Uh, this past season, uh, IU hosted Marion in an exhibition whose athletic director is Steve Downing, who played at IU. So um, it just seems like a lot of, what Mike Woodson kind of outlined of wanting to connect generations of IU basketball um, that he has come through with that in the time that he's been head coach. And obviously like hiring IU guys isn't going to solve everything. It's not going to be like, as Mike Woodson says, some magic pill. Um, But if you go back into the past, not dwelling on it, but bringing back people that know what works and that had success in the program, I don't really see that as a downside. So to have guys like Jordan Holes, Calbert Chaney um, in the program that 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 experience success at IU, that IU means a, a, a lot to them, um, I, I don't really see many or, if any at all, really downsides to that.
0: I think also there's, there's kind of this idea – I remember talking to uh, Jay Billis made some waves during the coaching search that ultimately landed on Mike Woodson by sort of, I, I, I think people took it as criticism and I don't think he was trying to be overly critical, um, but he was just sort of saying, you know, if, if Indiana wants to hire Mike Woodson, if Indiana wants to sort of reattach itself to its past, you know, to, to, to sort of, you know, clothe itself in, in, it's, it's sort of it's history and it's appreciation for its, you know, every program has its quote unquote culture and all that, then go all in on it. Don't, you know, he, I think people kind of took it as criticism of the idea of hiring a former player. And and what he said to me was more the idea of like, if you're going to do this, don't do it halfway. Like, you know, if, if the idea is that you want somebody who is going to be able to speak in this, in in very authentic ways about like what it means to be in Indiana and it's going to be again, like genuinely authentically passionate about being in Indiana, then like go all in on that. Don't, you know, I think there are times where it's felt like Indiana has tried to do that, but also do something else or maybe have that up to a certain point. And of course you talk about there was for a long time, you know, at, at very least an awkwardness uh, with former players around sort of, and I think a lot of this dissipated even before Woodson's hiring, but of course, Bob Knight coming back probably broke down all those walls for good. Um, just that feeling of sort of picking between your coach and your program and all that. And, and that was something Indiana to grapple with for a long time. But when you talk again about, Indiana wanting to be a program with a certain identity for elite prospects. When you, you talk about Indiana wanting to be a program with a certain identity around its past and its history and how it embraces that and, and, and you know, whether it embraces that we've seen coaches in the past who tried almost to distance themselves from it. Cause I think they felt like it, it was weighing players down. Um, the point is Indiana's all in on it. And, and, you know, like when, when you hire Calvert Cheney, you're all in on bringing back another guy who can talk about certainly the tradition and the expectation and the, you know, the, the I guess to, to to be cliche about it, the glory of old IU. But you're also all in on a guy that's going to come back and be able to talk about I've been there for the step from high school to co- or from, from college to the pros. I've lived in the pros. I made $30 million or whatever he did. I think it was, I, I looked it up. I think it was about $30 million over 13 years in the NBA. I've seen the good. I've seen the bad. I've been a starter. I've been a sub. I've, you know, I, I've, 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 I've spent a little time in a, in a, even a front office setting, again, a G League setting. It, it just feels like Indiana – listen, these things don't guarantee success. But we've seen Indiana have a lot of success in these, these short-space recruitments. Tamar Bates being a good example. Obviously, s- some success in, in the portal, some pretty good success in the portal. Um, Malik Renew is a little different, I think, because obviously there was a pre-existing relationship from the fall that they just kind of re- restarted in the spring when he reopened his recruitment. But McKenzie Baco is the latest example. I think part of why that works, I think people want to say, oh, it works because Mike Woodson is familiar with free agency or it works because, uh, you know, the, the the program can sell itself quickly or whatever. I think part of the reason why it works is because Indiana, whether this leads to the kind of success that everybody at in Indiana expects and craves or not, I think for the first time in a while, it feels, at least to my estimation, like Indiana is fully comfortable with what it is, what it wants to be as a program and basically how to present and how to sell itself to really, really good players. And, you know, listen, you, you, you know, you said earlier, time will tell whether this winds up bearing on success. There's always an extent to which you're only as good as your next win loss record. You're only as good as your next recruit, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it just kind of it, like for the first time in, in, a long time in in my time around this program, it feels like at very least Indiana just has a real level of comfort and confidence in what it is and what it wants to present itself as, as a program. And I think that really helps when you start trying to sell Indiana in all its various facets to elite recruits.
1: And I think in kind of like simple terms, trying to summarize what you're saying is like, it feels like, indiana or or mike woodson has kind of gotten indiana on the right track like whether that's really close or probably not really close but how far that is from what people want the program to be is kind of to be determined and how you look at what the success of iu should be but going back to the you know the archie miller years um in the, in the kind of overall nosedive that the program was taking, if anything, Mike Woodson has started to get it moving in the right direction. Now, he's made the NCAA tournament the past two seasons. I think you could definitely look at this past season where Indiana had one of the best players in program history and say, you needed to make it past the round of 32. Like, Trace Jackson Davis didn't even make a sweet 16 when he was at IU. And I think that was a disservice to him for everything that he gave to the program. But at the same time, you look at it as Indiana um, hadn't made the NCAA tournament um, since Tom Crean was head coach. Now Mike Woodson did it in his first season. In his second season, they went around further. Um, I kind of wrote this near the end of this past season of like, it kind of requires more context of like, is this, was the this the 2023 20 2022 2023 season was it a stepping stone to something greater next season or was it going to be a was there going to be regression um back that's that would kind of determine uh how the trajectory of, of mike woodson's uh tenure is going but at the very bare minimum Mike Woodson has gotten it on the right track. Like there, there has been improvement. There has been positive improvement in whether making the NCAA tournament or round of 32, or whatever is enough as an IU fan. Like that's obviously up for your interpretation and, and how you kind of view the program and progress and all that. But at the very least there has been like the literal definition of improvement. Like they have gotten better under Mike Woodson. I think you could say and like, a fair amount of aspects of the program entirely. So
0: let's talk about, I guess, let, let
1: wrap this just
0: with a little bit of chat about the roster. Indiana, I think it's it, I think we can all probably agree is pretty much rebuilt its front court. Um, of course, Xavier Johnson's back. Now you've got McKinsey and Baco, who I think everyone expects to step into plenty of minutes, plenty of shots, ideally from Indiana's perspective, plenty of points. There's one scholarship left open. Um, I think you're seeing, again, in part because of the recruiting calendar and in part because everybody's maybe waiting for the NBA draft to fully sort of settle itself out to figure out who's going to stay in, who's going to come back, who who's going to be back in the portal looking for a new home. Um, everybody's kind of keeping their powder dry a little bit right now. It doesn't seem like Indiana's going to get involved with Cable Love, um, which – probably isn't a huge surprise given that they weren't ever seriously involved in terms of like visits and things really by the end, the first time around in his recruitment. Um I think people are beginning to wonder essentially if Indiana is going to add anybody in that last spot. Um I would be a little surprised if they don't go to 13. I think I'm increasingly less – um convinced that they are trying to find somebody who is just kind of like a nailed on big role player um right away and, and that would probably mean Trey Galloway's you're starting to there's ways in which I can sell you on that there's ways in which I can tell you that maybe that's uh, I wonder if that's the best idea or not but I mean just from your perspective just I guess to start just let's say Indiana doesn't add another starter. At minimum. Um, let's say they they add a you know somebody that maybe is in the mix to start at the two, maybe winds up coming off the bench, above average three-point shooter, um, but not somebody that's obviously just absolutely kind of not you know blowing the doors off for you. I mean, just where do you feel like this roster is from a construction to competitiveness standpoint?
1: I think that you could make the argument that this or the the upcoming season's roster might have more talent than last season's roster i think you could i think there's a really strong argument that they are more versatile um than last season's roster and i think it's one of those things where i would say i would call regardless of what indiana does the rest of the offseason like barring something um really unforeseen that like this this has been a successful offseason for IU basketball and it it there definitely have been moments where it might not have felt like that and because things kind of came in waves um you know Indiana got Peyton Sparks from Ball State and and then where was it was a huge one from Oregon uh former McDonald's All-American um and, and then IU IU gets Anthony Walker uh, you know, a role guy out of the portal from Miami who doesn't have huge numbers, but he was on a Miami team uh, that went to the Final Four this past season, and it felt like Indiana still kind of needed that really big piece. You know, missed out on Chris Ledlam, um, and, and and you know among other guys, and and then they get Mabaco, So it was sort of a steady kind of addition of guys. Um, but I think that it has become, you know, it has developed into a, a successful offseason, and part of it, Indiana has needed that because of what they, what they're losing. You look at uh, Trace Jackson Davis leaving, uh, Jalen Hood Chafino, Race Thompson, Miller Cobb, Jordan Geronimo, Tamar Bates. Um, Indiana has lost a lot of production, so they needed to fill that, and and I haven't even mentioned Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton, two guys I think of you know, incoming freshmen that'll be in in the class with Mbaka that have maybe kind of been lost a little bit in kind of all the portal uh, happenings. But I think that Indiana's roster is really imperfect. I think that it has a lot of potential. Um, Two other guys that I look at, can they make, or actually three other guys, I think, are the three guys left from um, the 2022 recruiting class out of high school, uh, CJ Gunn, Caleb Banks, and Malik Renu, I think Malik Renew is a guy that you look at, you really need him to make that jump as a sophomore to be able to, on, to, be able to stay on the floor and defend without fouling, um, to be able to have a, a little bit more versatile offensive game. And then you look at a guy like CJ Gunn, can he shoot like he did when he was in high school? Uh, can he carve out more minutes? And Kayla Banks, who really fits into kind of the modern game as this uh, wing that that can shoot, uh, that can do a bunch of things. Who kind of came on, late, you know, in the second half of the season for IU, being a guy that Mike Woodson relied on as someone to come and bring energy off the bench. um Can those three guys elevate, or maybe not even three of them, but can two of the three of them elevate their game uh, to a level where they can be consistent contributors? So I think that to me, there's a lot of question marks with the roster, but I think I think there's a really high upside just because a lot of the guys have a lot more versatility than Indiana has had in Mike Woodson's first two seasons, Um, a lot more length. And uh, I just think, I think the upside is really high. I think the floor could also be a lot lower than last season. So I think there's just a lot that basically is going to have to take place for them to kind of feel each other out. And and most of this team hasn't played with each other before. So I think there will also kind of be like, a learning curve of trying to kind of mesh everyone together that that wasn't there as much last season uh, just because some of those guys had played with each other for a little while longer.
0: Yeah. I think that's an interesting point too. You know, you, you, you hear a lot in soccer, there are managers will talk about how they want increasingly their transfer business done very early in the, the summer period because they want as much of their team together from basically the first day's, of preseason training as possible. They, they don't, you know, it it used to be these deals would get strung out across the summer. They would be these soap operas. There would be quote unquote bidding wars. And then in the last days of the window, there would sort of be these frantic whirring of fax machines as players hopped private jets to fly to different corners of Europe. Um, It feels like that has changed. And I mean, frankly, probably a lot of sports. I think it's, it's relevant to the point you just made, which is there's a lot of work to do with this roster. You know, at present, you've got as many new scholarship players coming in as you do returning. If you add another player, that means that your new faces will outnumber your returning faces no matter what. Um, Now, again, you would imagine a coach with an NBA background wouldn't be, you know, would be a little bit more comfortable adapting in a a few different, you know, faces and, and kind of, Tinkering with things, but it does feel a little bit like if you're Indiana, you know, I think um, typically players start to they report first or second week of June to campus um, for offseason workouts. If you're Indiana, you, you know, I don't know how interested you'd be in adding somebody too deep into the summer because you've already got a lot of work to do in terms of, you know, the the sort of. reconfiguring roles and rebuilding an offense that's maybe not so post dominant as what you ran through trace Jackson Davis and figuring out who your volume shooters are going to be. And, you know, uh, you know, kind of re remodeling some things with different seniors and different sort of high usage players. in in the room, I think you want that team as, as kind of complete as possible, as early as possible and therefore, I'm not saying Indiana would settle, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if there comes a point if, if you know, the opportunity presented itself where Indiana would look at somebody who's maybe a little bit more experienced, a little bit more of a role player. You talk about Anthony Walker as a guy whose numbers don't jump off the page, but he does have the experience of winning in the ACC, of going to, um, you know, of, of going to obviously the Final Four. Um, you just kind of wonder if, if there's an extent to which Mike Woodson – We'll look at it and say, at minimum, you know, he would just like to know what the 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 bones of his team look like from day one because there's going to be a lot to do here in the summer.
1: And and to that point, I don't think it, it's hard to express. I think the importance of Xavier Johnson with with everything that's going on, uh, all the new faces. Um the importance of Xavier, jo- Xavier Johnson I I think is going to be paramount to being able to make all of this work because college game for a while um seeing what he you know he is able to do when he is playing at a really high level um you know in Mike Woodson's first season like Xavier Johnson was a big reason that Indiana even made it to the NCAA tournament and what he did down the stretch of the season you look at what he did last season against Xavier on the road, what he did against North Carolina uh before obviously he had the the season ending foot injury. But I think he is gonna be really important in being able to kind of put all the puzzle pieces together. Um and now you this will be his third season coming up under Mike Woodson. Obviously he didn't play all last season but he has now been with Mike Woodson for a while um, I would also say I feel like Trey Galloway is a, is another guy that can be that glue to kind of bridge together the the new guys and and some of the older faces. Um, you know, as a guy, he's going into his fourth season. Obviously, took a bigger role uh, last season, and and the improvements he made. You know, in three point shooting, and uh, some of it out of uh, you know, the role he played out of necessity because of what uh Indiana lost when Xavier Johnson got hurt and when. Uh, Jalen Hood-Chefino was down for a short period of time. But um, I think those two guys, especially because they're guards and experienced uh, IU for a while, they're going to be really important um, in bringing guys together and and making it work. Um, And so, yeah, like, I I mean, I just think that not only from the intangible part of it, um, but also from what they can bring, from an on-court perspective, those two guys are going to be uh, really important in just um, just kind of making everything work as you look at just trying to put things together. And another thing is, like, in, in Mike Woodson's first season, you know, I think there was – he was talking a lot about it, like, learning how – he was learning the players they were learning him. I think there's going to be, like, a certain period of that with this team. But I also think we've seen – that the transfer portal can work well and it can also not work well. Like you look at a team like Kansas state um, who made a run this past season. You also look at a team like Michigan state who like retains most of their players who also made a run in the NCAA tournament. So I think it can work both ways. There's a risk, but that's just kind of how college athletics are at this point. But um, you know, it's going to be sort of, I think the job of Mike Woodson to kind of that his next big challenge of making this all work.
0: I'll steal the uh the final word today. Um if we presume Indiana does not add a a big name somebody who's going to compete to start right away, uh, presumably out of the portal at this point obviously, uh between now and let's say July 4th, um my my sort of Dark horse or pick to click, or whatever you say. I think Caleb Banks could be very important for Indiana next season, um, particularly if Mike Woodson wants to run out some of the really large, really long lineups that he enjoyed uh, playing when he was a head coach in Atlanta. I think Caleb Banks could be a really meaningful player for Indiana going into 2023 2024 he is tyler catchman i'm zach osterman once again uh, if you want to read that that full sort of mckinsey Mbako visit recap why i picked indiana uh report from tyler and his conversation with Mbako and his family that's indystar.com sports or indystar.com sports hoosiers you can also obviously find it on our app uh, i've tweeted multiple times i think tyler has too Um, So you can find it on our socials as well. Thank you so much for listening to Mind Your Banners for May 24th, uh, 2023. We will be back soon to Tyler until he's back from uh, France, we say au revoir. And uh, we will talk to you all sometime between now and then.